Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Got married, you don't have children, and that's your situation, that's my situation. Some people might be single as a result of divorce, and you may or may not have children. Uh, Some people might be single because you've been widowed, and you may or may not have children. Some people may have chosen to stay single, never, never wanted to get married. So there are lots of different scenarios and situations around this topic of singleness. It's a bit of a minefield. And also, I think being single as a woman is different to being single as a man. I think there are different challenges and different situations. So I just want to caveat and say, guys, this morning I can only speak through my experience. Okay, so a lot of what I'm saying is going to come from someone's mindset who has never been married and doesn't have children. Okay, so I just want to put it out there. I can't cover all the bases. It wouldn't be fair for me to try because I don't know what it's like for other people's situations. But what I am hoping for is that as I share, the Holy Spirit would just drop stuff in your heart that is helpful for you, irrespective of your situation and circumstance. Um, and just to say, the other thing I really am hoping for is that, that we get something of God's heart, particularly if we've got kids, because I think that what we teach our kids and our expectations for our kids needs to be different. Because if the Bible really is true in what it says, we should be just as excited if they stay single. I, oh, I, feel, I just feel the feist of Jesus. Sorry, guys. I'm just going to offend people, but I'm, Malcolm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to make a mess. Anyway, so my experience is I think there's a lot of wrong thinking in the church about singleness, okay? And I don't think we, it's not, it's not intentional. So I think if you were to ask anyone in the church what they thought about it, I think people would say it's just as amazing to be single as it is to be married. Um, but I don't think that's really what we believe, And I think sometimes the things we say or don't say and the traditions we have and the things, the behaviors we have and the rituals we have sometimes feed into the fact that marriage is the ultimate goal. Okay, let me give you just one example. I could tell you a few, but let me just give you one example. The way we celebrate marriage. Okay, I could use the way we celebrate babies as well, which is, it was a brilliant opportunity this morning. And I'm, just to say, we should be celebrating babies in marriage, okay? So don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But when it comes to celebration, we definitely celebrate marriage more than we celebrate singleness. Okay, so at King's Arms, when, people, when a couple come back from their honeymoon, we're like, woohoo, Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so are back. And everyone's like, woo. Or if we have babies, we in the King's Arms, we do what's called a Lion King moment. And the baby is held precariously and everyone celebrates the baby and we celebrate anniversaries we I mean social media posts around weddings and anniversaries are just they're just pinging all the time aren't they and I love that we do this we should celebrate marriage because it's amazing and we should celebrate children because they are amazing but singleness is just as amazing why don't we celebrate it in the same way I would say the reason we don't celebrate it in the same way is because we don't really believe that that's true. It's just as amazing when someone who is single fixes their eyes on Jesus and pours their life out for him and remains pure. In the sight of God, that is worthy of celebration. 
I remember when I first wrote this message, imagining myself being at the King's Arms and imagining this scenario of someone, we celebrate the, the honeymoon couple with them, someone picking me out. And now we want to celebrate Wendy. She has been single for this number of years and she has pursued Jesus wholeheartedly. Woo, isn't that amazing? And I was imagining myself in this scenario and I felt sick. <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to that. I felt sick about the, the prospect. And here's the reason, and this is really sad, but the reason I felt sick at the prospect is I felt ashamed of being single. I felt shame because I was still single. Why? Well, I think because what's communicated time and time again, subconsciously even, in the church, in society, is that marriage is what's expected. That's the, that's the expected trajectory of someone's life. And so to be single for any length of time, there must be something wrong with you. Something else is going on, because that's weird. That doesn't fit the mould. It's odd. And so you can see why it's really important that we hear what, what God says about singleness, can't you? And what's, what's, what's interesting for me is I... Um, when it's me and Jesus, I have absolutely no issue with my singleness. I feel completely fine. It's just everyone else that's the problem. <laughs> so I'm hoping that we get some revelation of what the truth is right now. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 7. I don't have a PowerPoint because I don't, I don't enjoy making them. Sorry. Um, so 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to look at what the Bible says. And then we're going to pray. And see what Jesus wants to do. I don't know why I'm turning there. I've actually got it in my notes. Um, so 1 Corinthians 7. Just to give you some context. Um, it talks about a variety of things. From principles to marriage. What to do if you're married to someone who doesn't believe in God. And it also talks about singleness. And the Apostle Paul who writes this letter. He was single himself. He's responding to a letter that the Corinthian church and the Corinthian believers have sent him to ask him questions about this stuff. So they have sent him a letter to ask him some questions. And he's responding to them because you can see at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 7, he says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter. So he's about to answer some of their questions. And... Uh, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to pick out a few verses. But the first thing I want us to notice from Paul's response is this. Singleness is a gift from God. Okay, that's the first thing I want us to get go away with this morning. Singleness is a gift from God. So Paul has just been talking about some principles for marriage. And then he says this in chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. He says, I say this as a concession, not as a command. But I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Did you get what's happening there? He's saying, it's not a command, it's a concession, not a command, but this is my wish for you. I wish all of you were single, but everyone's got their own special gift. Now, I find this absolutely staggering. I don't know about you. When was the last time... Someone with a very significant leadership gift stood up the front of your church and said, I wish you were all single like me. Aside from this morning. I wish you were all single. 
like me. It's staggering to me. That's what Paul said. That was his heart for the people he was writing to. Paul clearly had vision for his singleness, and we're going to unpack that in a little bit. But the key thing I want to pick out from these verses that Paul is that Paul refers to both marriage and singleness as special gifts from God. Both marriage and singleness are considered special gifts from God. They're both of equal value to him. The way that we often look at things is hierarchical. So when it comes to marital situations, so at the bottom of the ladder is singleness, right? And then you start dating and you move up a rung. And then you get engaged and you move up a rung. And then you get married and you move up a rung. Next, you have children, well done, you move up a rung. The people at the top of the tree, you know when you get to the top is when you become a grandparent. That's when you, like, you have made it. When you've become a grandparent, you have completed the cycle of what has been expected for you, and you have made it to the top of the ladder. There are lots of issues with this thinking. Lots of issues, but I want to pick out two. Number one, it elevates marriage above singleness and puts it on a pedestal. And that is a problem. Because it's a very easy step to then marriage being an idol. I'm just being honest with you guys, marriage was an idol to me. I was looking to marriage to be the answer from some of my mess. If only I get married, I won't feel so alone. If only I get married, it would deal with some of my insecurities. If only I get married, I would really be able to step out in ministry and do something significant for Jesus. I was looking to marriage to be the answer for some stuff in my life. And here's the problem with that. Jesus is the only answer for that stuff. If you feel incomplete... A spouse is not going to help you. I've got lots of married friends who really help me to understand that. You are going to go into your marriage with the same insecurities as you had when you were single. They're just going to be in your face more. Jesus is the only one who can do that. Jesus is the one who completes us. Jesus is the one who deals with our insecurities. Jesus is the one who calls us into ministry. He is at the top of the tree. So if marriage in your mindset is above singleness... That's a problem. The other issue with this hierarchical view is that singleness is always at the bottom of the pile. That is a problem. Because that is not what God says. Or what he thinks. And I think that's why there's a load of shame around singleness. It feels like you haven't properly grown up because you're still at the bottom. The truth is, marriage and singleness are equal gifts of equal value to Jesus. They, are, they should be looked at linearly. Whether you're married, engaged, single, have kids, don't have kids, it's all of equal value in the sight of God. But we don't really believe that's true. But that's what Jesus says. Sometimes I hear people talk about the gift of singleness. Have you ever heard that? Have you got the gift of singleness? What is this gift of singleness? It's like this elusive superpower. And the the question behind it is, is this for life? (laughs) Have you been given a really special grace from Jesus to endure such a terrible calling of being single? And people have said to me, have you got the gift of singleness? What they want to know is, are you going to be single for life? Are you going to be okay? (laughs) I've also seen people think they haven't got the gift of singleness 
And very sadly, they have got married too quickly. I'm, I'm telling you. Friends who thought, well, God hasn't said I've got the gift of singleness. They've got married, and some of those marriages now are no longer. Because they've rushed into something. Because they thought that was the answer. Here's my thoughts for what they're worth. When you're single, you have the gift of singleness. When you're married, you get the gift of marriage. Both are amazing. Both are amazing. So my question is, do we really believe this? Is this what we're teaching in our churches? And maybe more provocatively, is this what we're teaching to our kids? Would it be just as amazing for you if your daughter never got married because she got to live her life sold out for Jesus? Wouldn't that be amazing? So first thing, is everyone all right? Good, okay. First thing, there's only two things, so don't worry. The first thing, singleness is a gift from God. Second thing, we need to get vision for our singleness. So it's clear that Paul had vision for his singleness. I want everyone to be like me. Let's read about that in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32 to 35. I think he unpacks it a little bit more. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. The, the whole point and crux of this vision is Jesus and serving him, right? Why is singleness a gift? What's Paul's vision for it? Well, it enables someone to fully devote their whole heart and their whole life to Jesus. It enables someone to pour out the whole of their lives and give all of their energy to loving him and saying yes to what he's asking them to do. That is such a privilege. <sighs> Let me give you a couple of examples as to why I think this is a privilege. When I look at my life and my married friends, time with Jesus, I can spend time with Jesus whenever I like. My mornings, particularly if you've got, oh, thank you. I have actually got, I always, my nose always runs when I speak. And I have a tissue prepared. And then I get too excited and I don't use it. Thank you. So my mornings, particularly if you've got little kiddies, my mornings, I love my mornings, they're quiet. I sit and have my breakfast and I'm just thinking about the Lord, thinking about my day, might pray a bit. And I go for a little walk. I don't have to look after anyone. Don't have to ask my husband. Don't have to tell him where I'm going. I'm just going to go with. I'm just going to go for a walk with Jesus. I can have quality time with Jesus whenever I want, and I love it. I tell you, whenever I need help being happy about my singleness, I go and spend time with my friends with kids. <laughs> it is it is lovely, but I love saying bye. I'm going to go and have a quiet time now. Calling. I can do whatever I want whenever God asks me to do it. I mean, when God said, stop working for the church, 
Stop getting your salary. Go on an adventure. I can do it. I don't have to ask anyone's permission. don't want to see if anyone else agrees with me. don't have to worry about kids I'm looking after. I can just say yes to him. I tell you, it's a privilege. If you're single and you get vision for your singleness, you get to point people to Jesus ultimately. Let me explain that a little bit. The bigger picture vision for marriage is that it points to the ultimate marriage, doesn't it? When you get married, you're, you're, you're prophetically declaring, yes, this is a marriage, but there's another marriage coming, and it's even more awesome. And when people look at you getting married, they should think, wow, there's a, there's a bigger and better marriage coming where we marry Jesus, the church is the bride. When you're single, your life is also prophetic because it points to the all-sufficiency of Christ. People should look at my life as a 44-year-old lady who's passionate about Jesus and pouring herself out for him and think, wow, Jesus must be enough. They get to see from my life that he is the prize, that he is enough, that he is the one we're living for, that he is the answer to everything. They should be able to look at my life and it's a prophetic declaration that's all about him and that he is the answer. Do you have vision for your singleness? If you're single here this morning. Now, I don't want to finish without being real about the fact that there are some very real challenges about being single. I'm saying this from a place of having grieved a lot over many, many years and have, having to get time with Jesus to work stuff out. Just as there are challenges about being married, there are challenges about being single. And uh, there are times still when the pain and cost of being single are very, very real, particularly in the area of stuff I'm doing as a single woman in leadership, traveling around churches. It, there, it is massively costly for me. Um, I think two of the main things for me would be this whole feeling of shame. It lingers. Before God, I don't feel any shame about being single. But sometimes in the church and sometimes around other people, I do feel shame. I remember being at home recently visiting my family and this lady walked past who I used to go to school with. Hadn't seen her for 20 odd years. She was with her husband, her dog and her child. So she's done well. Um, uh, and I, honestly, I stood there and I, in my heart I was thinking, please don't let her ask me if I'm married and I've got kids. It was hard. I was like, please, I don't want her to ask me. And it made me so sad because before God I don't feel any shame at all. I'm really very happy. But in the eyes of the world, people don't get that. So I think there is this shame. And I've had times with Jesus when I've talked about this, and he said to me, but Wendy, I chose you. Because there's this thing about no one's picked me. No one's, what's wrong with, there must be something wrong with me. No one's picked me or pursued me. And God says, Wendy, I pursue you. I chose you. I've picked you. But honestly, there have been many times where that has not felt enough. So shame is a challenge, real challenge. I think the other thing would be loneliness. I think it can feel very lonely being single um, in churches and I think in, this, in society. It's interesting, I heard someone once say to me, um, 
what's worse than feeling lonely when you're single is being married and feeling lonely. And I remember hearing that and thinking, oh, yeah, you must be right. But actually, I've realised that's a very unhelpful statement. They're both hard. One is not worse than the other. Okay, when you're single and you're feeling lonely, it is costly. Particularly family occasions, Christmas, weddings are an incredible cost. To go to a wedding is incredibly costly. And for me, uh, usually I don't go to baby showers because it's too painful. So there's massive cost. Things when it, when it comes to making big decisions, that's really hard. Because you haven't got someone who's covenanted to walk with you through this big decision if it goes pear-shaped. It's you. So it's like, oh my gosh, I need to make this decision. But there's no one who's going to come and shoulder it with me. Obviously Jesus does. But do you understand what I'm saying in, in the physical um, and when I do ministry, it's costly. I remember I did a trip recently with a friend of mine who's a mum. She's got three gorgeous kids. And when we came f- back from the ministry trip, she rocked, I dropped her off at her house and all her tribe were at the door. Mummy's home! And the kids were loving it and the husband was there and they were chatting and I drove off home. And uh, I got home and I live with a, a friend called um, Sarah. And she, she loves me, but I didn't have the same response. <laughs> she wasn't waiting at the door for me. Woohoo! Um, and it, that's hard you haven't got you, people talk about my tribe that's hard that's a hard term I mean it's great that people have got their tribe you just think I haven't got a tribe Something, it, it, does, that make, does this make sense what, what's interesting is the flip side because there's always hard stuff for marriage as well I got to go home and have quiet she was on it until the kids were in bed so there's pros and cons so the truth is, the truth is, guys, both marriage and singleness have, have very real challenges. But also, both marriage and singleness are special gifts from God of equal value to him. Equal value to him. And I just want to finish with this. I think one of the things I love most about being single is that it fixes my eyes on eternity. It fixes my eyes on eternity. It helps me to remember that this life is temporary. I don't know if you guys remember that. But this life is temporary. We are passing through. We are actually made for a different kingdom. And one day we'll get to be with Jesus and enjoy him forever. The truth is, this side of eternity, all of us are called to lay our lives down for him to pour ourselves out for him. The reality is that he has paid the highest price to purchase us. The truth is, your life is not your own anymore. If you realize that, your life has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Your life is not your own anymore. It is his. And all of us are called to lay our lives down, to surrender to what he wants for us. All of us. But I tell you what, it's easier if you're single. <laughs> I think it's easier if you're single. If I was married, if I had children, I know that my focus would be on investing in and building the tribe in front of me. And it should be. Right? If you're, if you're, if you're married and you've got kids, that is a beautiful calling. And you should be investing in and building with the tribe in front of you. Here's the deal for me. The most important person in front of me is Jesus.
most important person in front of me is Jesus. And so what does that mean? It means I get to invest and build with him for eternity. And one day, when we get to be with him, you don't take your status as husband or wife or mum and dad. The only identity you take into that place is son or daughter, by the way. But there'll be an awesome wedding and an amazing banquet and all mourning and pain and crying will stop. And that's what we're living for. This is not what we're living for. So, I'm going to stop talking. I think we should pray.